What's up, guys? It's the Blue Bloods coming back at you with another big episode. National Signing Day is officially here, and we are bringing you guys all the knowledge you need for Wednesday's big day. We talk about the targets who already committed in the early signing period, review the new 247 composite rankings that changed a lot in the official team rankings. We highlight the teams with the most on the line this coming Wednesday, and we inform you guys about the biggest targets left uncommitted in the country and make our prediction on where these future stars will take their talents. It's the best time of the all season. So let's get it going. start out with the early signing day recap a lot of people think you know early signing day takes away from you know the mystique of national signing day I mean I don't know about you Brandon I remember being in middle school high school and just looking forward to national signing day because literally the top 100 players in the country all had to commit on the same day and ESPN had a big special and it was like from 8 a.m to 5, 6 p.m. of people just endlessly putting on random hats, making you know, <laughs> absurd comments, parents walking out on, you know, commitment ceremonies. It was it was literally my favorite time of the year. No, I mean, it was one of my favorite. Uh, it was definitely one of my favorite times of the year. It, it might as well be a holiday for me, honestly. Um, I, I remember I would, be, I would get picked up from school, and it would be on in the car, I'd be listening to ESPN radio, uh, and just hearing the recruits, and then going home, watching it on ESPN until it ended. It was just, it was, I don't know. It, it's, it, I'm getting hit with like major nostalgia just talking about it right now. Yeah, I am too. But guys, are you ready for the nostalgia to end? Nine oh. of the top 10 composite players are already signed. The lone unsigned player is Jordan Birch from South Carolina, but he committed on early signing day and claimed that the reason he did not send in his national letter of intent is because he wanted to wait to sign with teammates. Um, well, we're going to get into his recruitment later, but let's just say, I don't think me nor Brandon really believe this kid when he says that. No, I don't. Uh, and I don't know if it's like, I'm just having like flashbacks or what, because there's been other reasons that kids haven't signed. And I don't think that if you're in the top 10 players in the nation that you're just not going to sign because, uh, I mean, just because you want to sign with your teammates, that doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, I, I honestly, I do not believe this kid one single bit, you know, but let, let's get back to, you know, some people who did announce. I mean, I think, I, I don't know about you guys. It was really highlighted for me by Justin Flo's announcement. Um, everyone else was pretty much committed. I mean, you did have Bryce Young, Brian uh, Barisi, Julian Fleming, but all those players committed to schools way, way early in the recruiting process. But Justin Flo was an interesting case because no one really knew where exactly he was going to commit. Um, this is a kid out of Upland, uh, California, Clemson, Miami, USC, Alabama, Oregon, all in the running. But an interesting uh, thing that I heard is that Clemson actually stopped recruiting this kid at the last second because he wouldn't commit on his – he wouldn't give Clemson his verbal silent commit on his visit. And so Clemson pulled his offer – from what I was reading, and gave it to a kid, Trent Simpson, uh, borderline five-star in the composites, 
a kid of North Carolina and took him instead and just told Justin Flo to go do his thing. And Justin Flo ended up announcing he signed with Oregon. And I think this just highlights how strong Oregon is becoming under Mario Cristobal. You know, if in case you guys don't remember, Cristobal was the offensive line coach at Alabama during the biggest run in the, you know, early 2010s. And he's turning Oregon into just a powerhouse in the Pac-12. And Justin Flo just further highlights how far this Oregon team's come. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think – I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast before uh, that – what was it, December 15th when it was the early signing period day, basically. Anyway, um, I think we talked about this kid a lot, and we talked about how we both thought he was going to Oregon regardless. Now, now the Clemson detail does kind of throw a little wrench in what we were talking about, but I think this kid was going to stay West Coast regardless. Uh, and I think it came down to Oregon or USC for this guy. Yeah, and it just further highlights – we'll get into USC's recruiting class a later in the episode, but it just further, further highlighted the struggles that Clay Helton and this Trojans program has had in recent years. I mean, what about USC having one of the worst recruiting classes in the Pac-12? And one of the – for USC standard, probably one of the worst for teams that should hire in the country. And I think losing a kid out of your own backyard in California – to a rival Pac-12 program, which is currently just won the Pac-12 this past year, I, I really think it highlights how how much turmoil this program is really going into. Yeah, it, and, I, and I've talked about it time and time again, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. But just not being able to commit uh, to your head coach has been killing this USC team. I think that a lot of players who were verbal to USC maybe maybe flipped, or a lot of players that uh, weren't verbal but were leaning USC flipped the second that uh, their AD couldn't make a solid decision on Clay Helton. Um, and plus, I mean, there were, I'm sure there were a ton of kids that heard. I mean, heard the same news that we heard about maybe they were going to get Urban Meyer, or maybe they're going to hire one of these big name coaches, and then they stick with Clay Helton. That's just, I don't know. I, like I said earlier this season. Uh, you know, I'm glad USC did what they did this past year. I'm glad that they uh, proved us all wrong and had a winning record. But uh, just – it was probably the worst thing they could have done this year was just to keep Clay Helton like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And another West Coast kid that I think highlighted, uh, you know, early signing day was Keely Ringo out of Scottsdale, Arizona. He is actually – we'll talk about the new 247 composites come in the next segment, but – this kid jumps all the way to number four. I believe he was 10 or 11 in the early signing period. And, you know, a lot of people thought Oregon and these Arizona schools, like Arizona State, who was making a big jump, had a really good shot at this kid. And I think if he goes to Oregon, it just – Oregon is going to be a national contender very, very soon, regardless of this kid. But that puts him over the top. But this kid makes the decision to go all the way to Athens, Georgia, and commit to the Bulldogs. And – I really think he did it because there is immediate playing time at Georgia and because we saw the mass exodus of offensive and defensive talent. And this kid is a 6-2-205 cornerback that is ready to play immediately. Yeah, this kid's going to be a stud. You know, and it did – well, it took me by surprise at least when he signed with uh, Georgia in January. Um, I don't know. It's just you you usually don't see these West Coast kids um, come to Georgia to play defense. That's just not – when you think about Georgia, what do you think about, Zach? You think about running backs, right? That's what yeah. I think about. You don't usually think about how good their defensive backs are. 
So for this kid to make that cross country journey to Georgia is no, that blew my mind. Uh, I, I think, I mean, I, it didn't catch me completely off guard because Kirby Smart's building something really, really special in Athens. And I mean, the, regardless if you think of the translational, you know, defense, Georgia's never going to, has never been DBU per se, but that team has a lot of NFL talent. And I think Kirby Smart's showing these recruits that he can turn out some serious, serious NFL talent. I mean, I think in the past, what, since Kirby Smart's been there, Georgia's had some of the highest, you know, numbers in terms of players going to the NFL draft that are actually making an impact. I mean, you look at Nicole Hartman, the Super Bowl, it, we're recording on Super Bowl Sunday, in case you guys wanted to know, this episode will be out the third. I mean, Nicole Hartman is the number two wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs right now, and I, I believe I, I believe there's a backup for the Kansas City Chiefs that's a DB from Georgia, and uh, I mean, there's some talented Georgia players in the Super Bowl today that we've seen, and I think Kirby Smart, it, that's just a, a testament to the culture he's building. Right. I mean, and no one can deny that. I mean, Kirby Smart is – Georgia, I don't know. They, they haven't gotten it done yet, but they will probably get it done in the near future with Kirby uh, Smart. I mean, everyone thought it was a good hire. Let's not kid ourselves. Everyone was like, "Okay, Kirby Smart's a really great hire." But if you would have told Georgia fans, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna hire coach. Let's just say X. And don't don't give him a name. We're gonna hire this coach. He's gonna take you to the Rose Bowl to beat Oklahoma to get to the national championship and go to overtime against Alabama. Then you're gonna go to two straight New Year's Six bowls and go one and one." But you're going to get you an SEC championship on the way. You, I think, I think they're taking that. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, three straight SEC championship appearances, and you and you won your first one. You should have won your second one. Jalen Hurts has some other things to say about that. And then you run up against the best, one of the best teams in college football history. I mean, there's nothing you could do about that. I mean, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't think anybody was beating Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers this year, especially in a dome in a game of that magnitude. Nah, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. Um. So after, so we'll kind of briefly cover what happened. So the top three teams after early sign after the early signing period, we'll give you the new updated one since you know once the composite scores change, the top teams in the country changed. We had Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia as the top three classes, and I don't think anyone's going to argue that it was going to be any different because those programs consistently just turn out I mean great recruiting class I believe what Georgia had the number one or two for what two or three straight years who knows how long Alabama has been in the top three I mean it's probably what going on 10 years yeah being at the top and since Dabo Sweeney has really hit his stride I don't think Clemson's been out of the top five since that's happened either and I believe LSU was fourth following them and that's a testament how Coach O is turning the special season they had and he's flipping that for some momentum on the recruiting trail, which some coaches don't do till the year after. Me and Brandon have covered that, that they say once you win a national championship, it takes a year for that effect to really take place. Coach O doesn't care about your rules. He said we come in, and he went out and got an amazing class. Yeah, he did, and that's why they're fourth in the country right now. Um, you know, on, before the updated uh, composite scores, uh, they were fifth. So the original ranking went Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, then LSU, and uh, now it, it sits at Georgia at one, Alabama two, Clemson three, LSU four, and Ohio State five. Um, 
I'm just excited to see what next year holds though. Like you said. Yeah. I, there's some big, there's, there's a lot of, you know, the SEC, I read it. I read an article on the athletic about how the SEC has such a big advantage due to positioning of schools and money. Cause I mean, I don't know if you guys heard, this is just kind of a tangent The the profit of the SEC yielded, like, I think it was like what 40 million for every school in the SEC. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you subscribe to the athletic dude. That's dope. It, yeah. Right. Uh, flexing cool. on the pod, you know, <laughs> flexing on the podcast. Hey, maybe we'll start charging subscription guys. I'm, I'm just playing. We're not going to charge you guys for our content. It's not that good. Um, but you know, the wild thing about Georgia, you know, being jumping so high is that they only have 22 commits. That's the fewest. That's, that's the fewest in the top 10. Yeah, and I mean, and, they have and the number one class. Well, let's not forget about Clemson only has twenty three. I mean, that's still that's, I mean, that's still super low. And they're sitting at three though. That's the only thing. But they have more five stars than anybody else. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, so we'll get. So you know, that's a perfect segue. We'll go ahead and get into our next segment: the new two four seven composite rankings. Brandon's already highlighted some changes, but you know, there are some Clemson players that took a tumble, in my opinion. Uh, you had. Um, D, DJ, um, I cannot pronounce his name. Yeah, Ugalele. We'll just say that he was like the number two player in the country, and he dropped all the way to number ten. Yeah, and he was the number one overall quarterback well, when the in the early signing period, and now he dropped. I mean, now Chase Young for um Alabama is the number one overall quarterback. Bryce Young or Bryce Young, yeah, not Chase Young. Chase Young, <laughs> Chase Young is the number one everything in my opinion, um, at this yeah. point. But, yeah, but Bryce have Young's you seen, a stud. Have you seen both of these players play? Because I've been adamant about this, and I think Bryce Young was always the better quarterback than uh, a thousand, DJ A thousand percent. Yeah, it, it just it, – He's flashier. He seems to be more accurate. He, he makes more plays on his legs. I think the only thing that, you know, had DJ so high is that he had the prototypical size of a quarterback. I mean, he's 6'6", six, six, and Bryce Young is 5'11", 180. Yeah, that that's I think that's why the scouts were so much higher on DJ rather than, um, you know, Bryce, because, I mean, you have a you have like a six, five, six, six, two fifty quarterback. I mean, early in the recruiting period, you're going to give the benefit of the doubt to the quarterback that has prototypical NFL size. Right, exactly. One of the things that I love to see on these uh, on these new composite rankings that Eric Gilbert, a tight end, is up to number five overall for this year. That the, the kid is an absolute monster. He uh, plays how, like a wide receiver. He plays like the biggest wide receiver you've ever seen. Yeah, he's not going to play tight end at LSU when you know it. No, I, good. I mean, it, well, okay, so let's talk about it. Moss didn't play. I mean, he, he was technically a tight end, but, I mean, you thought he was a wide receiver all year. Yeah. Uh, well, he, I, I, think, I think, okay, hear me out. Gilbert is in a different class. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's not even close. He's so much better. I mean, so this kid, Gilbert, guys, his senior senior year this year, he had over 100 catches for over 1,700 yards and 14 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, and if you watch – okay, do yourself a favor. Go watch this kid's highlight tape. Go go to his huddle. Watch that. It's insane. I mean, it looks like – if you watch this highlight tape, it looks like he's like seven foot eight. Because he's just that much bigger than everybody else on the field. No, I mean this kid runs a four seven according to the opening stats, which 
for six five, almost two sixty is outrageous. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think this kid Arik, Arik Gilbert is going to be a future first round pick, and LSU, if if they don't have a one hundred percent red zone scoring rate this year with this kid, I'm going to be outraged. Look, I know you just said Arik Gilbert. Are, you, are we sure it's not Eric Gilbert? Because I've been saying Eric. Uh, I, 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 they, see, the thing Zach's about this is... put a little spin on all these names. It's okay. It, it's fine. I am from Southern Alabama. I am crazy. <laughs> I, I cannot pronounce anything. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Coach Ed Orgeron cannot pronounce any of his players' names. That They just, like, they can t- t- detect the smallest pitch change in his a- a weird accent. So oh, it, it's all like good. That. No coach O slander on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, Blake, Blake's going to come back on the podcast and burn me up. Um, yeah. But you know, there is a player in this LSU class that I did want to highlight uh, because of the new two, four, seven composite rankings. I pulled some players that had some of the highest jumps, a kid that jumped over a hundred spots into the top 50 um, was BJ Ojolari. Um, oh, yeah defensive end out of Marietta, Georgia, committed to LSU. And I believe I highlighted him on the early signing period um, episode saying that he was one of the most underrated prospects in the country, in my opinion. And I think LSU, I I really think this kid could step in and contribute immediately. I mean, he's almost 6'4", 225. I think he needs to put on a little bit more weight. But to play, to, to be an edge rusher for this LSU team, I think this kid's got it all. And I think, I really, really, really think this kid is going to be an X factor for LSU next year as a true freshman. You know what's crazy, too, is that he went to the same high school. He was in the same graduating class as Eric Gilbert. Like, they, they came to LSU together. Just to think that much talent was on one high school team, that's nuts. Uh, absolutely. And, like, not – and it's, it's Marietta, Georgia. It's not like they were coming from – I mean, they weren't coming for like modern day. They weren't coming from one of these high schools that every, they weren't coming from IMG Academy. They were coming from a school in Marietta, Georgia. Right. I mean, just that, that team was loaded. I mean, in Georgia, I think, yeah. So if you follow recruiting a lot, you understand that Georgia has a lot of talent, but if you talk to the average college football fan or someone who might not follow recruiting at all, I mean, Georgia, I think has surpassed Texas as a, as a state that turns out elite talent. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Texas turns out a lot of players, but I don't think there's talent. I mean, how many players has Georgia turned out in the recent years that just turned out to be absolute phenomenons in whatever sport they play? You're right. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, kid from Georgia. I mean, Deshaun Watson, Sean Watson from Georgia. Yeah. Cam Newton. It's nuts. Really? And so, I mean, let's not play around like Texas isn't still putting out talent because they are. But, I mean, if you had to list the top three states for talent, I mean, I think Georgia is one or two. I mean, they're right there. Yeah, uh, maybe behind Florida. Maybe yeah, I was about to I say, mean, Florida. Florida's up there for sure. And then I'd say Texas is still probably close to third. But yeah. California's up there too. I mean, California's that's, – that's been a big change in the recent but years. It's, it's insane that California's not one with how big that state is and how populous that state is. I mean – yeah, that's why I think Georgia's so special. I mean, Georgia is such a smaller state than Texas from Florida and the California, and the fact that it's competing, putting out talent like it is, I think that speaks volumes for just the sheer amount of talent per per capita in that state. Yeah, you're right. You're right for sure. But, you know, another player that, you know, uh, I think 
everyone on the podcast, if you're an SEC fan, you're going to be watching this kid's commitment because it's coming down to like five SEC programs on where this kid's going to go. <laughs> and that is McKinley Jackson out of George County, Loosedale, Mississippi. Um, I, this kid impressed me. I'm in love with this kid. As an Auburn fan who's still in it, I love this kid so much. And I'm begging you, if you listen to this podcast, to please come to Auburn. But I don't think it's going to happen. We'll get to that <laughs> later. But he jumped 110 spots in the update. And nice. this kid is 6'2", 330, and run under a five flat in the 40. Yeah. That is nuts. He weighed in at 330 pounds at the opening um, last year and got measured at almost 6'2 and still ran under five flat. Right. It had almost a 30 inch vertical. Yep. He he is committing at 930 in the morning on Wednesday. So make sure you tune in that. I, I didn't realize this whole, this was a whole thing right now. They have like scheduled commitments for signing day, like certain times. Yes. Super yeah, because cool. all, all all the schools have to um, let people know. Um, I think I forgot when it was, but I mean, I think every school has everything uh, set up because they wanted to give ESPN the schedule, so ESPN had access to everyone's commitment, so they could p- make a schedule of announcements. But I mean, this kid's coming out. It's coming out of Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn, LSU. And I think Ole Miss is still in it. Lane Kiffin got them back into the race. Um, this kid is a stud. And I'm going to make a pro comparison, and this might shock a lot of people. I see Quinn Williams all over this kid. Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to slim him down. He's going to get bigger, stronger, faster. And this kid is going to be an absolute force in the future. And I see this kid being a future first-round NFL pick. I know Quinn Williams – his season at Alabama was one of a kind, but the, this kid is unmatched, in my opinion, on just athleticism for his size. And I think this kid is going to be one of the best players in the country very soon, if not as a freshman. Absolutely. And, you know, to highlight another defensive lineman, this kid is already enrolled in school. This kid is Will Anderson, 6'3", 230 defensive end out of Hampton, Georgia. Say that name again. Will Anderson. Will Anderson, okay, got it. Yeah, sorry guys if my accent is getting that bad. Um, This kid is enrolled in Alabama. He he jumped all the way into the top five. He was outside the top 60 and jumped to fifth in the 247 (laughs) rankings. This is absolutely crazy. I I, mean, you you have to love to see that though, right? Yeah, I mean – Alabama has put together such a good class. Even as an Auburn fan, I have to give it up to them because they are putting together just an outrageous class of talent. Right. They, they for sure – I mean, they do it every single year, though. It's not like this is new. <laughs> I mean, we see this every single year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's a little – so, yeah, I just said 6'3", 230, 240. I still think he he looks so much smaller than that. It, yeah. Just in my opinion, but he's so fast that he makes up for it. I think if they, if Alabama can work with him and get his hand movement in place, I think this kid is going to be an elite pass rusher. And there is almost no way this kid stays for his his whole college eligibility career. I mean, this kid is gone in three. I, I just I really think that. I think is this going to be another Alabama pass rusher that comes in, makes an immediate impact, and saving gets right back out the door. 
right? <laughs> and so this this prospect actually shocked me. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you why he jumped, and I'm going I'm to throw Brandon under the bus here and make him guess where this kid's committed. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> um, Jameer Gibbs. Jameer he, Gibbs. He jumped 89 spots into the top 50. Brandon's probably looking it up right now. This kid is out of Dalton, Georgia. Brandon, <laughs> where is this kid committed? Dalton, uh, well, I mean, my instinct would say, oh, oh, I, I know about this. This kid, he's Georgia Tech, right? I knew that. Georgia we talked Tech. about him. Yeah, we did talk about him. Uh, this kid is small, on the smaller. He, he's short, but he's stocky. 5'9", almost 200 pounds. To Georgia Tech. And I give uh, a round of applause to this kid because to be from Georgia – and be so highly sought after and commit to Georgia Tech over Georgia, Florida. Alabama was after him. He said, I'm going to go to Georgia Tech. I always <laughs> applaud kids who stay at their, in, in their, like, near their hometown and play for maybe less, lesser-known programs. I mean, you're looking at, like, Ed Oliver, who was a five-star top five prospect and stayed at Houston. Yeah. I, I, love, I love stories like that. And guess what? This kid's going to pop off your screen every time he watches Georgia Tech when if he went to Alabama, he might not start for two, three years. Well, he's not, he's not signed yet. That's another thing. Yeah, like, I mean, he's not, he's not signed. But uh, from what everything I've read on this kid, he's sticking with Georgia Tech is what he said. Yeah, I mean, and I, good for I, him. I, I love and, it. And I mentioned this on, uh, during the early signing period. Uh, when Zach and I just basically all day we sat around and watched ESPN <laughs> waiting for people to commit or people to sign. Um, and uh, I, I forgot the kid's name at this point. He was, he was an LSU, uh, he was an LSU commit and he ended up signing with Maryland the morning of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, like I said, and I might've sounded jaded then, like it might've sounded pretty bad, but um, I really, I can't, I can't shame a guy for wanting to stay home. You know, it happens all the time. Uh, Stefan Diggs did it. He stayed in Maryland um, when he probably could have gone anywhere he wanted to. But you know, kids do that all the time, and good for them. If they want to stay home, stay home. Yeah, and uh, I'm all for it. I I have no ill will. I mean, the kid you're talking about is Rakeem Garrett. Yeah, yep. Um, wide receiver out of Washington, D.C., ended up staying home. And like you said, I, I'm not going to fault a kid for that at all. I mean – if you want to fault kids for that, you're probably not you're not, probably not fun at parties. Uh, I'm assuming. <laughs> well, you might be. We don't know. That, that's true. You might be because you'd be the one we're all taking videos of, being like, "What is what, what is wrong with?" Really, we kid? just like to make fun of you at parties. That's what we're getting. <laughs> what you, you don't have to tell everyone that, man. Like, no, okay, really, my bad, my bad. You, <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that out. Don't worry. Oh God, dude. So one more player. I wanted to highlight is Antonio Johnson safety dropped 130. I mean, rose 137 spots. That's nuts. Doesn't make sense. Outside the top 180 and jumped inside the top 50. (laughs) That's, I mean, does that even, how does that even happen? I don't know because I really, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand how these new composite scores work. Like, what do they look at to make these kids jump this much? Like, what happened? Um, so, so for the composite, what happens is um, everyone. So, if you're so, as you know, at, there's recruiting events all throughout the year. So, you have like the Under Armour All American Weekend. You have 
all uh, the Army All-American game. You have uh, – there's a few of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, and there's some like the Polynesian Bowl. All these athletic events that these kids go to and compete against other people – 247 ESPN rivals and um, Athlon, I think, has some of their own. Um, they all go and they all send evaluators, just like the matting, a matted rating updaters, and they evaluate these kids' performance. And then, so, usually, after all these all star events, after each season, they'll update the rankings based on what they saw. So, if you have a kid like um, a Reek Gilbert, let's say, that, that he doesn't play in a very strong high school. That would be Eric Gilbert if you're not from South Alabama. There you go, Eric Gilbert. Um, so let's say he he was playing in like a 1A division in a state that doesn't have a really, really strong football program. He might be very, very lowly rated, like rated very low because he they, didn't, they haven't seen him against high competition, so they're holding out you know, their opinion. But let's say he goes to the opening and dominates. That's when you see these big jumps, like 100 spots, 137 spots, because they had some more info on this kid. And they say, oh, this kid competes really, really well against the best players in the country. And so all these other tight ends that were above him played worse than him, so they'll jump that kid way up. And so after each season, uh, the playoffs, um, all these all-star events, all these uh, rankings, people will release new rankings. And so 247 is the one that I follow the best because they have a composite where they take rivals, ESPN, and themselves – they add, they put them all together, and then they spit them out. So you might see a big jump, uh, depending on the person. Like I believe, at one point, uh, since I'm an Auburn fan, this is the best example. Tank Bigsby was like top twenty on ESPN, but he was like 70, 78th on two four seven. Okay. And on Rivals, he was like he's the number, he's a five star number one running back in the country. And so they put that together, and now he's like thirtieth or the composite. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's how it's all done in case you got, you know, I know recruiting is kind of tough to follow. It updates every day. It's a lot of reading and stuff. And I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't follow recruiting at all, but as I've gotten older, recruiting is amazing. Um, But Antonio Johnson, to get back to him, he's a safety committed to um, A&M. He's actually enrolled and they got him out of St. Louis, Illinois. Weird, right? Out of nowhere. Um, But this kid, it came down to Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Alabama, really. And, I mean, the kid looks every bit of the part of an SEC player. And, you know, I, I believe 247 compared him to Ronnie Harrison from Alabama, who now plays for the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty good comparison. I mean, if if you want a safety, uh, I think you would take an, Alabama, an ex-Alabama safety who was an All-American and was, what, a second-round pick? Right. I think you got to take that. So A&M's had some defensive struggles. Me and Brandon have highlighted them on the podcast. I think huge get for Texas A&M and Jimbo yeah. Fisher. Cause I mean, Jim- I mean, this is a guy that's, it's not like, I mean, he's a, he's a, his composites 0.9651. Like that's so close to a five star. Exactly. And I think, I think uh, if you're in the top 32 players, you get a five star yep. for two, four, seven. So he, he, he you know, to jump, 137 spots in the final rankings props to this kid yeah. and props to texas a&m on that and texas a&m has a top 10 class guys let's stop acting like jimbo fisher really isn't building a culture here give this guy some time another top 10 class put together by jimbo fisher yeah also and this is what i took away from what you just said um so this is going to be brandon's geography hour that's what we're going to talk about 
I think I might have to start fighting everyone from Missouri because they like to split cities between states. You said this kid's from from St. Louis, Illinois. Yeah, that's that's insane. He's from East St. Louis, which is just you know you know the regular St. Louis that's in Missouri. Yeah, this is just part of it that's in Illinois. Same thing with Kansas City. The big part of Kansas City is in uh, Missouri, and then there's like a little bit of Kansas City in Kansas. So I'm just gonna start fighting Missouri. I think. No, I'm, actually, I'm declaring war I, right now. In case you guys didn't know, I did not know that. I I had no idea. Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> branch geography hour. So there, there you go. Back to the blue uh, bloods. Right. So now we'll move to our next segment, second to last segment: teams with the most to gain or lose. Um, I have three. I believe Brandon probably has three. So I'll let Brandon start this one off. Who is your team that has the most on the line right now? And they, they could they could lose a bunch of commits or they could gain way like a really, really talented player or players. Ah, you're going to put me on the, on the spot. I'm going to go with uh, one of the teams that I had written down was South Carolina. I, I think you have to have South Carolina on there just because they, they are still on the edge of getting of scoring Jordan Birch. And if they don't, man, sorry. That's just rest in peace because he was going to make your, make your ratings, make your recruiting class just that much better. And if you lose this guy, if you lose this kid that's already committed, man, that, that, out of, that's tough. Out of your backyard because uh, he is also um, he's from, from Columbia. Columbia. Yeah, like he's, like, he's straight up in the same city <laughs> like, as your school. You can't lose this kid. No, so, and I mean, they're also in the running for um, the number one running back in, uh, in the junior college ranks. Uh, Zaquandre White out of Iowa Western Community College. Um, you know, South Carolina is one of the favorites to land him. Uh, I think he has all – they have all the crystal ball picks. Yeah. So, that's huge. And, you know, people don't – people got to remember, um, Alex Huntley, another defensive tackle from the exact same school – Jordan Birch goes to is also committed to South Carolina. Neither of them have signed. So if either if both of them or one of them leaves, that's that those are their top two rated recruits right now that they have. And right. so if both of them leave, uh let's just say Will Muschamp, your seat is going to be so hot going into next season that it's going to be unbearable. I mean, you have two one five star and a four star defense tackle from the same school in the same city as your university you better not lose either one of these guys and if you pull both of them in that is that's going to boost this class put this class over the top because Jordan Birch and like something are two elite level defensive tackles right so I will take this next one this is a team that just uh I think Brandon is going to have a lot to say about this team too and that is USC yep yep uh, yep yep they were on my list think this team has so much to lose and they need to gain a lot of ground uh they are right now nationally the 59th rated class in the country they are 10th in the pac 12 and that is that that's unacceptable for a program of this magnitude right no you're you're absolutely right um and i i'm not gonna sit here and say the same thing i've said over and over again about the clay helton choice that that hurt him a lot um but Man, it, it's so disappointing to see this recruiting class this year. So you have to, I mean, unless you just hate USC, you know, because I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily hate USC. I like to see USC doing well. I think when USC is good, college football is good. So I, I would have liked to see their recruiting class be that much stronger. But 
yeah, man, you gotta you gotta hope they score a couple a couple more signs on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, you would hope so. I mean, just a few players for you guys to watch out for. We have Michael Drennan the second. Um, he is an all-purpose back out of Ohio. USC's favored to get him right now. He, they got to get this kid. They, you guys saw USC's running game this year. It's been abysmal to say the least. They were one of the worst rushing teams in the country, and you know this kid's gonna make a difference um, for them, I believe. And you know the reason I highlighted this kid and not uh, Joe Juwan Collins out of California is Collins is projected to go to UCLA. I mean UCLA has taken a strong lead for this kid and. That's just another indictment against Helton and the recruiting staff. You let a kid out of your backyard go to your rival program that's also not doing great. I mean, this kid, Collins could have easily came in and boosted the run game along with Drennan, and you just, you're just going to let him go. I mean, there, there's just so many indictments about this recruiting staff that uh, it just aggravates me because you should not be letting kids like this just walk out of your backyard. Absolutely. And, you know, to highlight one more player, we, um, we have Blake Sharp, uh, Shapin, my bad, Blake Shapin, a quarterback. He's not a highly rated quarterback, but he's out of Shreveport, Louisiana, pro-style quarterback. And I think this kid, it, it's always good to have depth. I mean, you saw what happened last year when all your quarterbacks go down. I mean, you literally had three quarterbacks get hurt at this a rotating door until Keaton Slovis took control of your team locker room and ended up staying pretty much healthy throughout the season. I mean, to add some more quarterback depth is a necessity for USC. Last year was the perfect example of why you need to have it. So USC, these three guys are the ones you need to be focusing on. If you can get Collins flipped from UCLA, that would be a huge win. But to, to say I had any confidence in this recruiting, you know, process for USC, I would be lying to you guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll go ahead and move on to, like I said, I have USC on my list too. So I'll go ahead and move on to my final team that I think has, I mean, I just think they have a lot to lose really uh, because they don't really have anything to gain at this point. Um, and it, it might, it might catch you off guard a little bit. I've got Georgia. Um, oh. They have a, listen, they have a lot that they could lose this, this Wednesday. Because they have three commits. They have a five-star and two four-stars that haven't signed yet. That are, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they've got, I mean, the five-star obviously with Broderick Jones hasn't signed yet. Um, you know, at 9 a.m. he's either signing or flipping his commitment somewhere else. Uh, then we've got Cedric Van Pran from New Orleans. Uh, he's a four-star. Uh, he hasn't signed yet. But he's, he's committed to Georgia. And then they've got Dejan Edwards uh, from Moultrie, Georgia. A running back is a four-star running back hasn't signed yet. So, and not not only those, they have another three-star guy, uh, DJ Lundy, who is he hasn't committed at all yet, but he is kind of leaning Georgia right now. He's from Osceola, Georgia. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I know I understand they're number one in the composite rankings right now, but if you lose, I mean, could you imagine if they lost every single one of these guys? Like, where would they go? Like these guys, like the at least the first three guys that I mentioned are taken into account when you look at their rankings. Like if they lose those three guys, that's gonna be tough. Yeah, a a thousand percent. I I agree. Georgia has a lot to lose, but they also have a lot to gain if they land those guys. And then what are they? I I understand they have a lot to gain, like as far as like actual play goes. But 
they're already number one in the rankings. Like they don't have anywhere to go but down. That's true. But what happens if you know Zachary Evans pulls another shocker and recommits to Georgia? Yeah, that would be that would be nuts. And there's rumors that he, Georgia's still in consideration. So you never know with Georgia. I think Georgia is in a really weird place. I'm pretty confident they'll be able to keep a lot of those players. I don't think uh, we haven't seen a lot of players decommit and flip on Georgia, but we have seen Georgia flip a lot of players. That's true. So that's something to watch out for. And you know, to keep it in the SEC for my set, for my last two teams, both of my last two teams are in the SEC. We'll start with Alabama, number two in the country, also number two in the SEC since you know the number one team is also in the SEC. You got to look out for McKinley Jackson. We highlighted him a little bit. Alabama is the projected favorite, and I've compared him to a uh, previous Alabama defensive tackle that did really really well. Let's just say in his time at Alabama and is doing big things for the Jets right now. I think McKinley Jackson's won. And then this would be a huge flip and just a huge slap in the face for Texas. Alfred Collins has been projected to go to Texas this whole time, this whole process. Number two strong side defensive ends, top top 70 in the country out of Bastrop, Texas. And Alabama has been pushing super, super hard for this kid. And it looks like it's going to come down to Texas or Alabama. And I'm really predicting Alabama flips this kid, in my opinion. Um, He's not one of the ones we're going to give a prediction for in the next segment. But I think Alabama pulls this one out. I think Nick Saban has pushed way, way too hard on this kid for him not to come. And Alabama has had success in Texas. I mean, just countless players. I mean, you look at like Greg McElroy coming out of Texas. I mean, Nick Saban can recruit anywhere in the country, and I, I think Alfred Collins is just going to be another example of that. And then for the final player to watch, he's a junior college player. We got Nadab Joseph out of Independence, Kansas, last chance you, <laughs> number one cornerback out of the junior college rank, 6'2", 200 pounds. This kid is a monster, guys. This kid is going to be an elite corner, be a future NFL player, and Alabama – is projected to land this kid. It's coming down to Alabama and Georgia. And I cannot wait to see how this turns out because regardless of where he goes, I think this kid starts immediately. And that's saying a lot going to a place like like a school like Alabama and Georgia that are littered with elite talent. And I think this kid starts day one regardless of where this kid commits. Yeah, for sure. And for the final team, it's kind of one that I don't expect a lot of our listeners to be – you know, following. I don't think I don't know if Brand how much Brandon knows about this team's recruiting class. I have Ole Miss. Okay. Um, Lane Kiffin has been trying to rescue this recruiting class, as you can imagine. They are twelfth in the SEC, forty first in you know the national rankings. That just shows you how elite SEC rank uh, as these SEC teams are recruiting <laughs> at. I mean, you're yeah. nationally top fifty, and you are third to last in your conference. Right. That's, that's tough. And well, my, my main thing is that if, the, if this were five years ago, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast would be keeping up with this Ole Miss recruiting team right now, or this recruiting class right that's now. That's true. Because, I mean, they were, they were pumping out like, con, like consistent top five recruiting classes. But that was when they were uh, – I guess they were opening up the garage for these players. Yeah, paid players, take, uh, getting girls to, you know, strip for them, all kind of fun activities going on in Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, just Ole Miss stuff. Right? I mean, are you expecting anything? So there's some players that you need to look for for flipping for Ole Miss. They had 
Malachi Wadman, a Florida State commit, wide receiver out of Venice, Florida, 6'4", 190, uh, wide receiver, just elite-level talent. And they had him on a visit, an official visit this past weekend, got his last official, and I think Ole Miss has a real, real good chance of flipping him. Lane Kiffin is an elite recruiter, as he he exhibited everywhere he's been in his career, especially at Alabama as an offensive coordinator. I think uh, Malachi Wadman is someone to watch out for. And then Marcus Henderson, a guard uncommitted out of Tennessee, I think he goes to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is projected to land this kid. This this was a kid that held offers from Auburn, LSU, and was really considering him. And Ole Miss has taken over as his favorite. And then Reggie Grimes out of Oklahoma, um, or committed to Oklahoma out of Tennessee, also t- took an official visit to Ole Miss. Interesting developments coming out of that one. And I think I think Malachi and Reggie are two guys who you could really see maybe flip. And don't forget Ole Miss is also s- secretly into the running of Zachary Evans as well. So if they land – if they flip both uh, Wadman and Grimes and they land Marcus Henderson and Evans, I mean, Lane Kiffin can just pat himself on the back because that would be an outstanding finish to a pretty weak start – a weak starting Rebels class. Yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And, and I mean, Lane Kiffin is not any surprise to anybody that he is just an insane recruiter. I mean, look what he did with Florida Atlantic. It's just that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so uh, definitely be on the lookout for Ole Miss this National Signing Day for sure. And so we'll move on to our last segment, guys. Uh, we we highlighted some of the biggest targets left. We're going to make predictions for the top five biggest targets left. And so we'll we'll go from the lowest to the highest or the least known to the highest. So we'll start with Avante Williams, number 44 overall player. He's a safety. And I really think this is the least exciting one, which is why we started out with it. I think he goes to Florida and I really don't see an argument where he goes elsewhere. Yeah. uh, I mean, I I was definitely kind of, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. Uh, I could see Florida and that's what every single expert is predicting right now. They're predicting Florida. Uh, the only other team I could even see him potentially picking would be Miami. But I don't think – I think after last year's you know season, after he, he sees that and sees where their coaching staff's at, uh, I mean, you'd be it would be ridiculous for him not to pick Florida to go play for Todd Grantham in this, this Florida defense. Yeah, and uh, I agree. And, I mean, I don't even think he took another visit after he, you know – Florida picked them up. I, I really just don't see Miami having enough firepower to pull this one out. But we've seen crazier things happen on signing day, guys. And so we'll move to Broderick Jones, five-star. Brandon kind of highlighted him. He's committed to Georgia offensive tackle. He's staying with Georgia. Uh, it, it's almost a guarantee, in my opinion. He was supposed to take an official visit to Auburn this weekend, which is why we kind of had them on this list. Breaking development. Kirby Smart stayed in this kid's living room until 11.59 p.m. after his basketball game to prevent him from going to Auburn. You know, I'll be honest with you. I thought you were going to say he spent the night. Uh, I thought he was going to pull Jim Harbaugh there, but he didn't. Uh, it wasn't that creepy. So, um, yeah, he didn't go to Auburn. It, it's online. Nope. It says that he did. Wow, okay. Well, that's he good. ended up not coming uh, based on all the reports from Auburn Insiders, Georgia Insiders, this kid is um, – th- this kid's elite. I-, I think – I really think he has an argument to be the best um, offensive uh, offensive lineman in this class. Um, 
And uh, I really, really just uh, – I don't think he is um, – uh, he's not leaving Georgia. If he didn't get – Auburn was the biggest threat. If he takes the, vis- uh, the visit to Auburn, I think Auburn has a great chance. But if he if, if he didn't take another official visit, he's going to, he's going to Georgia. I just don't think it's – I don't think it's even a debate at this point anymore. No, I, I was going Georgia, and I was pretty hard on Georgia. Um, I was going to throw that little Auburn wrench in there, but if he didn't visit Auburn, it's, it's Georgia. It's a wrap. That's why, like, th- this guy's one of the higher-ranked guys, but it, it, we're going to save these, like, where is he going till the end? And so now we're going to go to three people where it could be anybody's guess at this point. Uh, we'll start with the lowest-ranked, McKinley Jackson. We've already highlighted where he's ranked, what he plays. Brand- Brandon, I think this kid is – I think this is going to make you happy. I think this kid goes to LSU. You know what? I, I hope you're right, but I don't think that you are. I think this kid's going to Bama. I think it's already written in stone. He's already got – he's already signed his soul away to Coach Saban. Um, <laughs> he's, he's going to Bama. Uh, I really hope not. And, um, you know, I, I actually know some people that go to George County High School uh, with this kid. They told Hanging me – out with high schoolers, man? No, my cousin, but um, uh, my cousin. <laughs> inside told me, source. Yeah, my inside source, my cousin who played football with this kid. He, uh, he told me I would be stupid if I predicted this kid to go anywhere other than LSU. I'm putting my faith in you cuz. McKinley Jackson to LSU. Book it. Write it down. Blue Bloods official prediction. And well. <laughs> right? Um, we're going to save unpredictability for last, even though he's middle ranked. We're going Jordan Birch, five-star defensive tackle. Brandon, where's this kid going? I'm going to speak this one to an – I'm going to speak this one into existence real quick. This kid's going to LSU. He has to. <laughs> I, I understand. You, know, you can tell me whatever you want. He he visited. He took an official visit to South Carolina. What was that? That was that was Friday. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, Friday, um, January thirty first. Whatever. January twenty fifth. Uh, that was last Saturday. He took a visit to LSU. An unofficial visit. Ugh, crazy. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe I'm just too superstitious. He took his mom with him on his unofficial visit to LSU. I think that says something. You know, I mean, he's, he's from Columbia, whatever. Man, come to LSU. Let's do it. I think his smartest play would be to come to LSU, but I, I don't think he is going to. I think he's going to stay with South Carolina. I think if LSU gets the last visit this past weekend, I think he comes to LSU. But the fact that he – Took another last visit to South Carolina. That's going to be enough to hold him. I think him and his teammate are both going to stick with South Carolina. And South Carolina is going to end this recruiting uh, this recruiting season on a really, really, really high note. Right. Okay. Um, finally, guys, you've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for it. I still think I'm wrong probably. Three, Evans, number 16 overall player, number two running back. Holy crap has this kid's recruitment been one whirlwind of BS. Uh, the only other person who could cause this much drama confusion is Antonio Brown. And, I mean, this kid is a stud. I think this kid's the next Alvin Kamara. But, you know, in perfect Zachary Evans form, I'm predicting a shocker. The Ole Miss Rebels are going to land the signature of Zachary Evans this coming Wednesday. Yeah, um, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't like that Ole Miss just offered him on January 17th. That's weird to me. Um, anyway, uh, you, you mentioned Alvin Kamara just a second ago. And, you know, let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that real quick. The last team that he visited, he took an official visit to this school. 
on January 24th. Zachary Evans will be a Tennessee volunteer next season. Write it down. Do what you need to do. He's going to this program. They did what they did with Alvin Kamara. I think this kid reminds me of him on and off the field. Um, and so I, I think that I think that this Tennessee team can maybe uh, shape him up, make him into what he needs to be to be a great NFL talent. I think he can recognize that as well. Yeah, I, I think this kid is uh, amazing. I, I think this kid is going to be one of the best, you know, running backs I, probably we've seen in a long, long time. And I just – I really hope he doesn't fall into, you know, the trap of some of the other – best running backs that we've seen come out uh, filled with drama and just transfers and not getting enough playing time because this kid's got the talent to be something special. I just hope he goes to a program where they surround him with good influences, good people, and this kid really makes, you know, everything out of his talent he can because I think this kid could be one of the more legendary players in, you know, college football history. So I just – I always root for these kids to do good. So I just hope he falls into the right situation, honestly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing nothing but best wishes to this kid. At the end of the day, you know, we may be covering all these kids. Like I said, they're kids. They're 18 years old. They're going into college. They're going to be, they're going to be freshmen in college. So, you know, it's, it, they have the world in front of them. Uh, best of luck to every single one of them that we've talked about throughout this whole recruiting uh-huh. process. That is true. That is true. So, th- guys, this episode will be dropping February 3rd. This is a wrap on our episode. Uh, National Signing Day is Wednesday, February 5th. We will be dropping a recap Wednesday – I mean, Thursday, February 6th. Um, we are going to be recording the night after National Signing Day, the night of National Signing Day. We're going to be bringing you guys all the updates, all the craziness, the final the official rankings. Um we're, we're coming big time with this stuff guys so um tune in uh make sure to go check out previous episodes all our senior bowl stuff if you guys haven't caught up on that we got an interview with blake ferguson that's out um go check that out link uh is in is on all our social medias uh if you're listening to this you already know where to find it go back and listen to it tell your friends family if you know any lsu fans tell them i'm sure they'd enjoy the interview um yeah, guys, uh, National Sunday is coming. We're all excited. I know you're excited. Um, we got content on the way. We got more blogs coming. We got more conference recaps coming next week. Um, yeah, but any other announcements, Brandon? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think that we've uh, we've got plenty more content coming out, but that's really it. Yeah, uh, follow us on social, Instagram, at the underscore Blue Bloods, Twitter, at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods, Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod. Follow us, subscribe, whatever. Uh, links to all our blog posts are on Facebook and Twitter. Um, other than that, rate the podcast, tune in, tell your friends, keep listening, guys. And other than that, we out.